want to talk to you about responders. And in our culture, in our world today, we have what we call first responders. And we're grateful for all of our first responders, for our police officers, our firemen, and, and people that put their lives on the line so that we could have uh, uh, freedom, but also we could have safety in our lives. And we're grateful for, for those. And um, it's interesting to me how we all respond in different ways to different things. And even today, especially in the world and the culture we live in, everybody really has an opinion about everything. And most people today are more than willing to share their opinion about what they think about it because they have responded to a certain situation in their lives. And, and uh, it's just like, it's just like, uh, it's just crazy. But on Palm Sunday... Jesus made this decision to go and ride an unbroke colt through the city of Jerusalem. And the people in Jerusalem, uh, they, it was, it was the, the parade of the century for that day and time. And Jesus rode the donkey through the city of Jerusalem. And in other Palm Sundays, there's been Palm Sundays where I would go get a donkey just to kind of commemorate all this. How many saw the donkey deal? Yeah, a lot of y'all right through the donkey, and then when he pooped on the carpet, it was like, ooh, I don't know about we I should be doing that or not. One time we brought him up on stage. Do you remember that? He come. That was one of the good donkeys. We've had some donkeys that weren't all that good, but Jesus, he rode an unbroke donkey through the city of Jerusalem, and that that's just like just just speaks out to real cowboys because him being the master of creation and the master of that donkey where nobody had ever been on that donkey before. Just a pretty cool, pretty cool deal. But I want to talk to you about how people responded. In that, and I think that, that, that there's some, some really, really important lessons that we can learn from how people responded to Jesus and to this situation and circumstance on Palm Sunday over 2,000 years ago. In, it's in Matthew chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, you can turn, that, turn there. Uh, several, several years back, uh, the Italians challenged the Cowboys to a reenactment of the Buffalo Bill Wild West show. And they, they called the Fellowship of Christian Cowboys and... Uh, we put a team together to go to Italy to challenge, because the Italians challenged the Cowboys, and, and I was able to take the team. There was about probably 12 of us who went over there, and, and they had Italian Cowboys, and I used the term loosely. <laughs> no offense to the Italians, but they're just different. Uh, and then we went, we went over there, and so they had a big uh, arena and built. It was just crazy just for this, and, and it was televised, and, and uh, it, was, uh, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> so the, the, the Italian cowboys, they were very proud. Just, they, they had sticks that they would hold, and, and they had, and they was very proud. We was on TV at the at very, at, before the performance and everything, and on the news and everything. And, um, 
after the per first performance, they realized that it really was different, <laughs> really different. And that, that uh, uh, we had a little bit of progress on them. <laughs> and uh, throughout the week, we, we had the different shows and everything, but for the last performance, it was on, it was on uh, national television, the World Cup of Soccer, and this, this performance of, the, uh, of this challenge was, was on national television. And uh, they brought us, uh, for the steer wrestling, you know, that's where you, you grab the steer and you throw him down. Uh, for that, they, they brought this steer that his horns come up like this, more straight up. You want them out like this instead of up like this, but, but they came up like this, and this steer weighed probably 650 pounds. He's a big steer. And so instead of just throwing them down, one guy, we would always, we'd have one guy get on the tail of the steer and the other guy get on the head, and we'd help him throw them down. They didn't know a difference anyway. <laughs> but, so the last performance... A friend of mine, his name is Paul Luxinger, uh, he was a NFR steer wrestler, big old strong muscles and everything, but he was the designated steer wrestler, and then I'd, throw, I'd, I'd grab the tail and help him throw him down. <clears throat> that last performance, I loved to steer wrestle, but this was a big steer, and last performance, we threw him down, and I hollered up there at Paul. I said, Paul, do you think I can throw him down? He said, there's only one way to find out. And so he held him down, and I reached up there, and I grabbed his horns, and just as he took off, nobody got the tail. <laughs> and this steer takes off, but they'd been steer wrestling him all week, and, and his, his, it, to be real transparent, his neck was pretty sore. I mean, he comes down there, and we, we, we slide down there about 20 yards, and I get a hold of this steer, and he comes around, and I whop, and just, I mean, just threw him down on the arena floor, like, just the way you want to do it. And um, all of the Italian cowboys that were there, they were sitting on their horses and they had their sticks with them and, and they started chanting, Randy, Randy, Randy. <laughs> and I mean, on Italian uh, national television. And I'm like. <laughs> and I'm like. And then it occurred to me that not one of my friends, not one of my family members, nobody in America would ever know that I was famous in Italy. <laughs> nobody. And it really bothered me. And I've tried and tried to find the videos and no, but the motive behind what we do Sometimes it's like, are we doing it for the right reasons? If you ever ask yourself why you do what you do, because what happens in our heart will always dictate to our hands and to our mouth what we do and what we say. Here we are in Matthew chapter 21 this morning. I'd like to read for you. And the response, please... Look for, look for, there's about five responses here I would just challenge you to look for today. The response of obedience. That's a good response when it comes to the things of God, right? The response of worship. The response of curiosity. The response of cleansing. And the response of opposition. Here we go. 
chapter 21, verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. Everybody say immediately. It's interesting, the act of obedience comes immediately here. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Zechariah, saying, that, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples, everybody say the disciples. The disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. Now, it's interesting here. I know that y'all, a lot of y'all have kids, y'all have grandkids, uh, and the response of asking your child to do something, you can get a lot of different responses, right? I mean, you're going to like, you can, you, uh, blessed be the parents and the children who are obedient without question, right? It's like, Why? I don't want to. I don't. I don't. But they immediately they were obedient, and and if we're not careful, we will accept partial obedience, which is not obedience, or delayed obedience, which is kind of obedience, but it's delayed. But blessed be those people when God tells us to do something, we just go ahead and do it and don't ask any questions about it. You're like, yeah. If you say it, Lord, I will do it. When Jesus told Peter, said, come out, uh, yeah, he said, bid you come to me. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter got out of the boat. He, he was like, it was just, it just happened. Obedience. And they brought the donkey and the colt laid their clothes on them and set him on them and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from where the trees, from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes, here's the, everybody say the multitudes. All the people they went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. What does Hosanna mean? It means Lord save us. Anybody need some of that today? Anybody need a little bit of saving today? <laughs> need some saving. They needed saving back then too. Hosanna, son of blessed he is coming in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And this was an act of worship. And when he had come to Jerusalem, all of the city, everybody say all of the city. Like everybody, the whole city was moved saying, who is this? They was curious about it. Because this man was doing something that nobody else had ever done. That's because he was God. And God always do, does things much better than creation because he is the creator. He has more wisdom. He has all knowledge. He has all presence. He has everything that is so awesome. And then they wonder, who is this guy? Who is this Jesus? And then the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Uh, it's, it's interesting because it, it asks the question, he's a prophet, but they had it partially right because God is a prophet because he knows the future. He knows the present. He knows the truth. 
but he's not just a prophet. In some people's minds today, Jesus is still a prophet. And the difference between how our hearts are toward him or not will depend and whether he's a prophet. We will either acknowledge him as the king of kings, as God himself, or we'll acknowledge him as another good man. He is not just another good man. He's not just the man upstairs. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He has everything he needs to be God, and he is God. And the... and. Then Jesus went to the, into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Cleansing of the temple. You know, the only temple that needs cleaning is a dirty temple. It needed cleansing. Then the blind and the lame came, came to him in the temple, and he, Jesus, healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes, everybody say the church people, we got to pick on the preachers a little bit, right? The priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant. And here's the opposition. And said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, you, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. The greatest praise is unadulterated praise. Those who have no other agenda that goes along with their praise. Not the kind of praise that just lasts for a week. Or even one day or one morning. But it's a, it's a lifestyle of praise. It's not just what we do on Sunday morning when we sing my chains are gone. It's like we can sing my chains are gone on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all throughout the week. It's not just a Sunday deal. Amen. Amen. So there's a little boy who was attending a Sunday school class. And he was there for many years. And then he, he graduated into another class. His old teacher, every story in every class they would have at the end of the story she would say and the moral of this story is and then she would tell tell the class the moral of the story so he graduated into the senior class and and his mother was interested to see how he liked his new teacher and and uh, he said she asked him and he said well she's she's a good teacher but she has absolutely no morals So it's, it's, if you're looking for, for a flaw in somebody, if you're looking for a flaw in, in, in the way people present things or the way that God presents things, you will always find a problem if you look for it. Sooner or later, if you find a problem in the church, if you find a problem with your husband, you, find, you look for a problem with your wife, you look for a problem with your children, you look for a problem, you're always going to find what you're looking for. Why? Because you're looking for it. If you're looking for good in people, you're going to find good in people. Amen. If you're looking for good in God, you're going to find good in God. Amen. So really, it's about our response to what we're looking for when we have to be disciplined to look for the right thing. So all through Jesus' ministry, it's interesting to me, many times he says, see that you tell no one. You remember that? He would heal somebody, he'd do something wonderful for somebody, and then he said, don't tell anybody. 
And then he said, because my time is not yet. He knew that it wasn't his time to go to the cross yet. And he had a reason and purpose for that. And what was interesting to me, every time he told them not to say anything to anybody, the very first thing that they did was what? <laughs> They'd go tell somebody. Now we tell everybody, go tell somebody. And Crazy, ain't it? <laughs> These responses are interesting. The first response, obedience. Jesus tells us in uh, verse 1 through 3, his disciples that they are to go to the village, find the donkey tied up and untie it and bring it to Jesus. They didn't question them. They didn't ask for an ex exclamation. Or they didn't even ask for the reason for the instructions. They just went and did what God said. In uh, verse 6 it says, it's an interesting few words. It said, they did as they were instructed. And, uh, now, God doesn't talk to me all the time about everything. But when he does say something to me, it's pretty strong and it's pretty to the point. And a lot of times people say, God doesn't ever speak to me. I don't know if you've ever said that. But chances are real good. He did speak to you at one time. And he's waiting for you to do what he asked you to do five years ago without the response. God does speak to everybody say, God speaks to me. Let's, let's, let's all say it like we really mean it, shall we? G say, God speaks to me. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? And he'll speak to you through his word. He'll speak to you through his, his, uh, his spoken word or his written word. But either way, he'll speak to you, and it'll be in a still, small voice. God's never spoke out loud to me. But there's been times when God spoke to me, and it was louder than out loud. And I just want to challenge everybody that God does want to speak to you and the challenge that we have because obedience is a sign of true discipleship. Obedience is a sign that we are disciples of Jesus and a sign of a right relationship with Christ. Obedience is how they showed that they loved Jesus. And in fact, in John chapter 14, verse 15, it says, if you love me, you will obey me. If you, if you love me. So we can all <clears throat> gauge, we can all do a test on how much we love God, right? Because how obedient are we to his word? It's, it's, a, it's a very relevant, very relevant. At the time of Christ, a king, uh, uh, I thought it was interesting that, that Jesus rode on a donkey. In, in, in this, in this uh, through, throughout the Old Testament and through this, this time, a king coming into the city, if they were coming in peace, they would ride on a donkey. But if they were coming as an act of war, they would come in on a horse. And the reason Jesus came in on a donkey was because he was bringing peace to the city. But it wasn't the way that they thought or the way that they wanted Jesus to come in. You see, the reason that they were worshiping and the way that they were, the reason they were responding with this worship is because they wanted someone who would redeem them from the evil Roman Empire. 
that had taken over, that, that intimidated, manipulated, and controlled them. Sounds a little bit like America sometimes today. But they wanted redemption from the Roman Empire. They wanted to be saved, and they said, Hosanna, which means God, save us. The question I have for you this morning, I know you want to be saved. For sure, we all want to be saved. But what do you want to be saved from? Do you want to be saved from this, all this turmoil in America? Well, if sure, we don't want the turmoil. But more than anything, I want to be saved from the turmoil in my heart because if I have peace in my heart, there can be turmoil outside of my world, but I will still be at peace if my world doesn't dictate whether the world dictates peace or not. My peace doesn't come from the world. It comes from my Jesus. But they were worshiping because they wanted to get something out of it. That was the reason they were responding in, in that way. Oh, by the way, he will come back on a, on a horse. He'll come. He's going to come back on a white horse. He came the first time on a donkey as an act of peace, but he's going to come back as an act of war on a horse. He's going to come back on a white horse because he'll be on a white horse leading heaven's air force. And we're going to be in the middle of that air force coming back in glory this life's final hour. It'll be the second coming of Christ. And we'll come back and he will win the war. We're going to be with him and he's going to win the war. And the heaven and the earth will pass away. The former things will pass away because he is not coming as the one coming to bring peace to mankind. Because we have this time here to make a decision where we want to make God the Lord of our lives. Whether we want peace in our lives or we don't want peace in our lives. Because if we don't choose peace, there will be war. I could preach about Revelation. It'd be the same God in the New Testament is the same God in the Old Testament. The same God in the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. A lot of people are like, ooh, I don't want to talk about the Old Testament because that's, that's hard and that's harsh. He's the same God. And you see, just because it's not politically correct to do some of the things that God does doesn't mean that he's waiting for our nation to approve of what he says. God's not looking down and going, oh man, I don't know if I like that or not. He's God. He's not intimidated by us. He's not manipulated by us. And is not controlled by us, then that's a, that's a reason we shouldn't be intimidated, manipulated, or controlled by anybody in this world. But love should be our motivation to follow Christ and to love people the way that God loved people by serving them. That's better than the first time. <laughs> they responded by worship. Oh, and I just, I love the fact that they were worshiping. They said, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The crowd gathered around and uh, they cut down palm branches and, and threw them down. It, being a cowboy, you, it, sometimes it's hard to interpret the word of God if you're not a cowboy, but I'll, you know. <laughs> they start throwing those palm branches in front of that colt that had never been broke. I got, a, I got a deal about that. In the rodeo world, if you want a horse to buck, like in a bucking, in the bucking string, 
a lot of times they'll just run out of that bucking chute and they won't ever, they won't ever start, start bucking. But if you throw a pair of shafts or something like that in front of them, they'll shy away at it and then they'll just go to bucking. Do we have any people that maybe in your younger days you were a little bit deviant? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, man, let's just see what that unbroke cult will do. And I don't know who got that started. But it turned into an act of worship. I'm like, well, that's good. We was at the college national finals years ago, and I had a horse that would buck if you didn't warm him up. He's a really a pretty good-looking paint horse. And then the president of the, the National Intercollegiate Rodeo Association asked me if he could ride my horse in the grand entry. And me and my brother, we were, we were there, and we're like, yeah, you can ride him. <laughs> and... Uh, just we didn't warm him up or anything, and and we cinched him up real tight, and boy, he, and they they take off running through there, and his name was Dan Massey. Bless his heart, if you're watching, bless you. <laughs> oh, his name was Juice. He made he made it to the first corner, and just as he turned that right corner, he just he just broke in two and went to bucking. and all the crowd and everybody. I mean, and me and my brother were looking through this fence. <laughs> And uh, he, he gave us the horse, and, and he didn't say, he, all he said was, you got me. And he <laughs> gave us, but some of them guys, you know, the Bible says it's a cult where I'll never a man set. I don't know if you have any situations in your life that just seem impossible. If you have problems, maybe with your with your grown children, or or maybe a parent, or maybe 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 a, a problem at work, or maybe it's a health problem, something that you just you just don't you can't control, you have no control over it. God specializes in things thought impossible, <laughs> and He will do what no other power can do. <laughs> It doesn't matter who tries to thwart your life. Jesus can step in because he is the master of every situation. If, if he took over that unbroke colt because he made that colt, he can sure take care of your problem and your situation and your issue. God will always be God and he will always be in control, but never, never controlling Thank you, Lord. Responsive worship, responsive curiosity. I like this one. They ask, who is this? And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? <laughs> I think it's a question that we will always, even though we know Jesus, I think it's a good question to keep asking. Who is Jesus? You know, the more I know my beautiful wife, the more I love her, and the more I know about her, the more I love her. And I don't love her near, I love her much more now than I did. I about said that wrong. <laughs> I love her much more now than I did 10 years ago. Because I know her better. 
And I love Jesus more now than I did 10 years. I thought I loved her a long time ago, but I didn't know what love was back then until I went through some hard times with her. I thought I knew what love was with Jesus until I went through some hard times with him, until I had some issues in my life, and he walked through them, until I had some sin problems, and he walked me through my sin problems. Did I know that who my Jesus was, that he'd walk through the fire with me? He wouldn't just leave me in the fire and say, come out of here. He'd go get in the fire with me and bring me out. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about, but I get curious about a God like that, a God that loves me enough to walk through the fire with me. A God that is strong enough to come through the city on an unbroke colt and to say, I'm heading to the cross for you because I just love you like that. You may not understand it. Stay with me a little bit longer and you'll learn to love me a little bit better. <laughs> I love Jesus so much. <laughs> mm, get excited about that stuff. So then another response, and we've got to move on, the response of cleansing. He cleansed the temple. He's like, here he is, he's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, bringing peace to Jerusalem, and then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose in the temple. Whom the Lord loves, he what? He disciplines. And then it says, no discipline is pleasant. And they're, they're, they're all going, I thought, you, I thought you came to bring peace. I thought you was better than that. Who do you think you are? Coming in this temple and tipping over tables and whipping people with a whip. I, I grew up in a generation where we're, we're, you know, like if I mess up and do something really, really stupid, I get a whipping. Anybody with me? Everybody, anybody there? And, and it wasn't like, it was like bringing discipline. It wasn't like child abuse or nothing like that. And I know we got a lot of different thoughts about that today, but uh, I know you're probably thinking, well, that sure got a hold of you and sure messed you up. Well, it might have, but I got a little bit of discipline with it. And, and it disciplined me enough to know the difference between right and wrong. And so when my dad would give me a whip and he whipped me with the belt and, and he whipped me right there where, it, you know, on this, they called it the seat of my understanding. <laughs> and uh, uh, I never enjoyed it. I got to confess to you. It was never like, I, I, I never would like when I mess up, run to my dad and go, you know, dad, you know, I really need a whipping. Could you just, just give me a give me a whipping, please? Cause I'm I'm a bad boy. Oh no, I'd 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 run, I'd jump in bed, and just pray, pray that everybody they wouldn't wake me up. And if I messed up in church, you know, and no. So it says in the Bible, it says no discipline is pleasant. It's not like you just like it, but it's necessary. Listen. Just because our world is running from discipline doesn't mean the church needs to run from discipline. Doesn't mean the church needs to be offended at discipline. 
Doesn't mean the church doesn't need, well, that's just not who we are anymore. Well, let me tell you, that's the problem it, because it is who we are. We need discipline. If we're, breath, we're breathing in this world, we need discipline in our lives and probably more now than maybe ever before do we need discipline in our lives. So he came in and he, he cleansed the temple. And, and uh, my Bible tells me that our body is a what? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Our body is a, a temple. You see, the reason Jesus came and cleansed the temple because that was where the presence of God was. That's where God's presence showed up. And then when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that he doesn't dwell in temples made by man's hand, but he, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and he came to live and dwell inside of us. And if our temple needs cleansing, is there anything in you that, that Jesus needs to tip some tables over? inside of you. There's some things in there that's not really pleasing to God because of a lack of Can I say that word discipline? And God needs to come in. And, and the, the question is, will you be offended when God comes in and brings discipline to your life or, you will, ex or will you accept that discipline because you understand what you've been doing has not been pleasing to God? You see, whether you like this stuff or not, doesn't matter. Because discipline is not pleasant, but it is necessary. And our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's the reason, and I challenged everybody, I keep challenging everybody, get on your knees. Humble yourself. Get on your knees. You get up in the morning, get on your knees. You go to bed at night, get on your knees and say, God, cleanse me and purge me. Make me pure and keep me pure in my heart and in my mind and in my body and in my soul. Lord, cleanse my temple and keep, keep me clean. Keep me pure before you, Lord Jesus. The response of cleansing. Hmm. The place of worship. You see, the, the purpose or the why we do what we do is sometimes, I believe, more important to God than what we actually do. The why we do. Why do you do what you do? Why do you pay your tithe? Oh, oh I forgot to say, encourage you to pay your tithe today. I forgot that. I keep forgetting, but we do have boxes there. But, but why do we do that? Do we, do we do that out of guilt? Do we do it out of shame? Or do we do it out of obedience? And we do we do it out of love? Do we do it because we want to? Or do we feel that we have to, to be in good with Jesus? Let me tell you something. My challenge is for you to guard your heart and your mouth and your mind and do what God's asked you to do. Be obedient because you want to. And, and this, this is how I do things. If I don't want to do it, but I know it's the right thing to do, I do it until I feel it. People say, well, I just don't feel like it. Well, 
when are you going to stop listening to your feelings and start listening to the word of God? Mm, that's good stuff. So they had opposition. Obviously, with the truth, there is always opposition. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna, son of David, they were indignant. The, the chief priests and the scribes. You see, if we're not careful, we will look to improve our position and power with influence by positional authority. In other words, Jesus, because he was God, they wanted to improve their position and they didn't want to acknowledge God because acknowledge Jesus as God because they wanted to set themselves up as the final word instead of God setting himself up as the final word. This is the struggle of mankind. This is the ego that comes in to the church. It comes into the home. It comes into the family. It comes into the workplace. And, and if we're not careful, we would want to elevate ourselves because of positional authority. Somebody else has authority or influence. And if we're not careful in the, in the church, if you, and, and it doesn't happen here, but, but I've seen a lot of churches that, the wealthy people run the church. And the wealthy people were the influ influential people because they paid for the building and they paid for the property. And so they're just like, they inflated their power. That's the reason we don't put, put people's names on anything around here. Well, we got some bricks out here for the Boy Scouts. They're putting their names on. That's, that's all. But we don't want anybody to be elevated. But we've had a lot of people that have given tens of thousands, even millions of dollars into this, into this work here. But they did it for the right reason. Not so they could be acknowledged, but so God could be glorified. Amen. So the religious leaders, they opposed Jesus. They threatened their status threatened their positions, and it threatened their authority. He threatened their legalism and power over the people. He threatened their understanding of God and their way of salvation. He quite literally turned their faith on its head. When Jesus comes to town, expect opposition. When he comes into your life, expect opposition. I would say this to you too, and this is, this is, this is life lessons right here. When you live for Jesus and you're willing to speak up for Jesus and, and for the conviction that God's put in your life, the conviction that you have in your life will automatically convict other people that you're around. You don't have to say anything to them about, they, about their lifestyle and their, well, you should do this. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about simply living out your conviction. By doing that, other people will be convicted and many of them will be offended and they will many times uh, bring opposition to you. So you're just a good little Christian. You're good at two You would never say, yeah, I mean, nanny, nanny, nanny. And, and a lot of people say that. Why? Because they're convicted. The Holy Spirit through you is convicting other people around you. Yes. It's a good thing. 
So, Jesus, when he came down, he, many of the people's expectations were not fulfilled. And the reason that they weren't fulfilled is because they weren't looking for the Messiah from the way the scripture had defined the Messiah in the Old Testament. They were looking for the Messiah the way that they had redefined who he would be. We'll spend the rest of our life trying to figure out and trying to understand the magnificence of Jesus' love. The more I love God, the more I realize I need to love him more. The closer I get to God, the more I realize I got to get closer to God. And there's a song that, that uh, I, I just got to sing this song for you if that's all right. All the busy streets and sidewalks, they suddenly grew still. As a man came through the entrance of the city, as he touched and healed the blind man with just a little piece of clay. Oh, with joy and praise, I can hear the people say. They were speaking the name of Jesus. Jesus, he is the Son of God. Jesus, Jesus, the precious Son of God. Sweetest rose of Sharon. He came to set men free. Jesus, Jesus, he's everything to me. Yes, he's all the world to me. There were footprints in the sand along the Sea of Galilee. Thousands came to hear and came to see him. Well, he spoke of love and kindness. Yes, he brought a better way. And with joy and praise, I can hear the people say, they are saying the name of Jesus. Jesus, he is the Son of God. Jesus, Jesus, the precious Son of God. He is the sweetest rose of Sharon. He came to set me free. Jesus, Jesus, he's everything to me. Yes, he's all the world to me. This is the last verse. Oh, the air turned cold and the sky turned black as they nailed him to a tree. There he died for every man and 
every country. Oh, but the blood is shed and the lives he changed are still changing lives today. And with joy and praise, I can hear the people sing. You know what they're singing, right? They are singing the name of Jesus. Jesus, he is the Son of God. Jesus, Jesus, the precious Son of God. Sweetest rose of Sharon, he came to set men free. Jesus, Jesus, he's everything to me. Yes, he's all the world to me. On this Palm Sunday, I'm thankful for Jesus. I don't understand why he loves us so much. I don't understand it, but I'm going to take it. And I'm going to appreciate it. And I'm going to want to get closer to him this week than I've ever been before. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for helping us. I love you, Jesus, with all my heart. And I pray, Lord, that you teach us, teach us to love you more. Bless everybody in this room. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. One of the things that I know is that this world needs Jesus as bad as this world has ever needed Jesus. And if you're, if you're here this morning, the Bible says that we've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. If, if you are a sinner this morning, you're in pretty good company. It's not that we glorify the sin or even love the sin, but God has taught us through the sacrifice of Jesus that we're supposed to love the sinner, but not the sin. And this morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest privilege that you'll ever have of knowing God is accepting Him as your personal Savior, inviting Him into your life. And this morning, if you've never done that, simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my life. I need to make Him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Anybody? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Him in my life. Anybody? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anybody? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me, please? <laughs> I uh, admit to you freely that my motives in doing things aren't always as pure as they should be. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes I, sometimes I get selfish about things and sometimes I want things. I, th I want things for Randy Weaver and, and uh, my motives always need to be checked. Is anybody with me today? I mean, yeah. 
I think it's important that we do things for the right reasons. And obedience is important. And as we are obedient, my prayer is that through that obedience, if our hearts aren't as pure as they should be, that, that, that the purification of the heart will come through obedience. And uh, because that love shines in us. Uh, I'd like to pray for you, if I could. We have our prayer team up here as well. If you need special prayer for anything, we'd love to have you come up and, and get prayer. But I'd like to pray for you. Uh, let's, let's, shall we pray that we will get closer to Jesus? Can we just pray that? Let's all raise our hands and surrender to him. Lord, you see our hands today, and as we surrender to you, O oh God, we pray that you would just have your way in our hearts and in our minds and our bodies and our souls, that you'd purify us, Lord, and help us to be faithful people to you, that, that your word would be a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path, that as you shine that, that light on our path, we will walk toward that light, and where, you, where your light goes, we will follow it, Lord. I pray for everybody this week as we have dedicated our lives wholly and completely to you, Lord, that you would have your way and that you would minister to your people. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to find somebody to to bring to church next week to, that they might know you better and to follow you closer, Lord. So we give this week to you. We give, again, we surrender all of our lives to you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came down on this earth and that your name is Jesus and that's your name, that, that there is life in the name of Jesus. And we acknowledge that. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. In the church said... Amen. God bless y'all. We love y'all. Thank you so much for being here today. We sure do love you.